Yeah. I'm still in the Texas Peak Gambling Cave. It looks awesome. That was fun. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. Uh, uh, so, I do yeah. wish that we would have done it like a week earlier because then there would have been. Yeah. I was thinking the same. Yeah. If we had streamed the Tennessee Bama game, it would have been like just such good content. Yeah. It would have been chaos, but yes. Yeah. Um, no, that was fun, man. That was fun. Thanks for having me up. That was, uh, it took me a couple of days to get home. Um, it was a little bit of a trek, uh, but it was, it was fun for sure. Yeah, it was a good time. Glad to have a listener in the, in the gambling cave with us. My wife was in the gambling cave with us. So that's right. Yeah. We didn't really do any game or, I mean, I didn't do that much gambling in the gambling cave. Um, I kept trying to get you going and you were like, eh, I don't like anything. Uh, well, like I just I felt off, and I didn't want to. I didn't want to like reach. I didn't want to be like like I felt off because it's like everything, like just the whole the whole day was thrown off because like it just you know I, when I got I was like trying to get it there to you before three thirty, and that was an adventure because my phone died, of course, and <laughs> then I'm just like I'm I always love what I'm like I'm like you know what I can figure it out. I can figure out where Tyler lives. I've never been there, but I don't have GPS. I don't have a map. I'm sure I can just figure out where Tyler lives. I don't know you why just, I was that confident. You just sensed it where I lived. Yeah, that's what the that's exact what address. Yeah, um, no, but it, it got worked out. Thank God, that was fun. And then um, the three thirty games were really good. Like, I mean, LSU. I understand ended up being a blowout. There, there's a lot of stuff I feel like that happened that we watched, but we didn't really get to um that we have to get to today i've got some some stuff that to get off my chest of of some of the stuff that happened last night yeah no like i mean i got i think it's like for the i think it's i think it's all stuff that our listeners will agree with which is shocking um every listener is gonna agree that's that's your prediction i don't i don't well you know what if they don't the group that doesn't agree I think it would just be Bama fans. And I think people would be shocked about that. I, I just like some very disheartening things from yesterday, like very little of which came from the game. Okay. All right. Well, we'll, uh, we'll get those thoughts from you. I feel like we just go cold open at this point. Yeah, for sure. Not even, uh, I mean, we are brought to you by Texas Pete, of course. Yeah. We are college football uncensored. You guys know me as Tyler. This is my co-host, Chris. That's me. And uh, yeah, it was a fun day uh, outside of your trek getting up to my house. Um, we got to watch a, a great LSU game um, mm-hmm. where I started that game. I was like, oh, this could be a Tennessee LSU like game here. If LSU yeah, doesn't kind of huh? tighten up and uh, ended up the other way around, which was crazy. Um, yeah, agree. Ben Diesel in the chat says felt like a sleepy slate. Mm-hmm. Definitely felt that way. Um, which made it all the more tough to stream a game when you're like, oh, we're just watching all blowouts. This is right. This is but uh, maybe we'll have to do another one of those because it's we got some really good feedback on it. Um, we were getting more live watchers than we typically do for our podcast. So, um, I mean, I, I'm totally down for that. Like, like I said, I had a blast. I had a blast going up there. It was, like I said, a little bit of a trek, but it was still yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah, had it not been such a disaster getting here, you probably would have had more fun. Probably, 
Yeah. But you let it make you sad. You didn't well, you didn't like the board anymore. <laughs> that's not that's not what happened. Uh wife came through in the clutch. We ordered pizza, it never showed up. She yeah. went and got it for us, which was great. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, just all in all, great night. So um well let's get into it. Uh anything you want to cover? I wish I would no, no, I won't say about it. I wish I would have like thought it through that um, I was just going to stay up there because I like then I wouldn't have toned down the drinking so much either. Right. That was a big that was a big mistake on my end. Yeah, it's always yeah. a mistake, honestly, if you ever tone down your drinking, you know what I mean? For the sake of others. <laughs> yeah. Microphone issues last night. Not sure what why. Your microphone issues. Your microphone kept going out. <laughs> All right. Fix your microphone next time. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. Well, anything to get into before we get into uh, the recaps of the games? I have a pretty cool announcement. So one of my buddies is throwing a, um, well, let me start by saying this. Um, Georgia and Florida fans, which I know this is the biggest week of the year for you. Um, and it's weird. Cause it's like, like Georgia, Florida, is been a bucket list game for me forever. I've never been. Uh, I'm going this weekend. Until now. Until now. I'm going to go this weekend. Uh, it'll be my first time going. My um, good buddy Grant Tall is going to take me on my first adventure down to Jacksonville um, to see what it's all about. And on top of that, one of my other buddies is going to be hosting a kickoff concert that Thursday in St. Simons, which is pretty awesome um like is he the act no so like like it's actually just like a it's a whole group of them um so one the act one's promoting the gig uh it's gonna be pretty awesome so um he hit me up like last week i was like hey man uh any chance you're going down georgia florida we've got special tickets to this concert and i was like i actually am going down to georgia florida but i'm not gonna be down there until friday so his bright idea um i mean i should have taken credit for it damn it um, yeah. Our bright idea uh, for four free tickets to this concert. It's a kickoff concert this weekend in St. Simons. I give you all the details on it in the Facebook group, and I'll post about it obviously on my Twitter. But it's a Georgia Florida kickoff concert, so it is. It's featuring Andy Velo. You know him? Yeah, it's like an up and coming act. It's I mean like it's it's listen, it's live music, and there's going to be booze everywhere, so it should be awesome. Yeah. Um, but we have four tickets to give out for free. All I want to know. Um, for the the we can give two out before Thursday, and then we'll give the other two out like a, a, after the next pod. But what I want to know is, I just want to hear the best, your favorite tradition from Georgia, Florida, or your best Georgia, Florida story, and the tickets are yours. So there you yeah, go. Like Should be that. a blast, man. I'm I'm, I'm excited for. It. I, I hate that like we're not getting down there because Grant has a real job uh, on Friday, but like Thursday because this is like a whole. From what I gather, obviously. Um, it's just a, it's like a weekend long like drunk fest and it's awesome. Yeah, that's pretty much. I've never been either, unfortunately. Uh, would love to go at some point, but I does it feel like to you? I, I could just be way off on this, but when's the last time that game was like a really big game? Twenty twenty. You mean like yeah. nationally? Yeah. I mean, 2020, I think, because Georgia only had one loss, but Georgia had half their their starters out on defense. 
Yeah, um, I just I don't know. And like this I'm not even trying to take a shot at Bama. I just that 2020 season is just so like someone brought up if, if you take the the 20 like the covid season away from Jimbo, like his record is like 10 and 22 against the SEC or something oh, like God. that. Yeah, I mean, well. So I, all I'm saying is that that's just a weird year. Yeah. And you have like random teams like clearly Mullen like he had his team up in the top 5 and then all of a sudden he's fired the next year. Um Hold on. What do you mean random teams? I just felt like it was like a whole bunch of random teams. Like A&M was like top five and then like Florida was top five. And turns out neither one were actually that good. A&M was that good that year. What? They still lost four games, right? No, they went nine and one. Oh, okay. They won the so every other year. Yeah. They've been awful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah it seems like, it seems um, like a normal year. The flo- okay. So the Florida thing, <laughs> um, like for, I mean, first off, the only pushback I give you on that, and it's I, I don't give a shit if people think that wasn't like a, that national championship year doesn't count because that was arguably one of the greatest teams of all time, um, regardless of who they played and how they played and what whatever. Like that was hands down from a talent standpoint, one of the top three to five teams of all time. Um, I will say it was it was weird in terms of like like I think Bama played Auburn before they played like Arkansas, and then you had like the the Florida Bama SEC championship, I think on the same day as like other games. Like, I think there were still SEC games being played that day, which is kind of yeah, odd. Yeah. yeah. Um, that, that, part, yeah, it, it was, it was, it was bizarre. But then like, you know, um, like Georgia, I think went, what they go like seven and two. And then, cause they lost to Bama. And they lost to Florida. How did Florida get four losses? They lost to A&M. They lost like a bunch down the stretch. They lost to Bama in the SEC game, and they lost the shoe game. The they shoe lost game. LSU the shoe game, and then and they, they lost, they lost to... to bowl game, right? Yeah, badly. Yeah, and that was when Mullen came out and said the whole thing about how like this is not this is next year's team or something like this isn't. That was right. bizarre. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think of what else crazy because I remember like Bama played A and M like the second game of the year. It did suck seeing like. You know, like there was, there was, there were games there where you could have had like, like there were, there were some pretty good regular season games. I feel like in the SEC because it was an all SEC slate, and then like it just this very odd. It's like it was like you were watching like, like a non con game in like like NCAA like '08, just like a smattering of people around the stands made no sense. Anyway, yeah. It's just a weird, but, but going back to the original question. Okay. So let's say valid or not 2020 season, move it, move it, uh, take it out of the picture. When's the last time Florida Georgia was like a huge national game. Okay, and I'm, I'm honestly gonna, asking right now. Yeah. I mean, it's so maybe like I'm biased in terms of, cause it always feels like an, a, a huge national game. Right. Okay. So 2019, they were both ranked in the top 10. Sorry. That, Carter Nicholson said I look very sexual with my leg propped up. You always do. Um, this okay, so this is this is kind of funny that you bring this up because I'm not even saying that you're wrong that like that you don't that like it wasn't a a big game nationally. What I will say is, do you know that from 2018 to 2020, both teams were ranked in the top ten every year in that game? Yeah. Uh-huh. 2018, which is the year that Georgia 
went to the Sugar Bowl. Because I mean, think about I mean, think about this. Mullen was there. His first year was 2018, right? And they were they were a um, they were a New Year's Six Bowl team every every year. So they lost. They got kind of boat raced in 2018, 36 to 17. Then the 2019 game was was 24 to 17, and it was number eight Georgia versus number six uh, Florida. And then you had the 2020 game. Georgia was fifth, and Florida was eighth. And that was the game where, um, like, I, Georgia had lost to Bama, and that was it so far. And then, like, they had a they had a, just they were decimated with injuries on their defense, like like in particular. And then they but they jumped out to like a 14-0 lead, and and it was like, oh man, like I think they scored like on like one of like the first plays from scrimmage, and then you kind of just thought I was like, like, Oh shit. Cause like, they were an underdog in the game, I think. And then, um, then like Florida just came back and just kept throwing wheel routes the entire game. When's the yeah, last time they're both undefeated is a very good question. You have a good memory. Thank you. At least when it comes to that stuff. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so we get into the 12, I think probably mattered nationally, right? That was when Georgia was, they were 12th at the time and they had, they only had one loss. Um, and that was when, they lost 35 to seven at South Carolina and then they won whatever other many games they had up until then. But, but Florida was undefeated and ranked third in the country. That was that weird must champ year. And then, yeah, Jeff they had Driscoll. The, I don't remember if he was the quarterback or not, but they had, it's when they had the tight end who ended up playing for the, the Redskins or the commanders or whatever. I can't remember yeah, his name. Uh, but Trey he, Burton. No, no. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, that was 2014, Carter. Um, but they, they had this weird, he, he did this like weird jump, it was jump from like, is it Jordan something? He jumped, Jordan Reed. Yeah, he Jordan jumped Reed from like good. the eight yard line, <laughs> like trying to get in the end zone or something super weird. Um, but yeah, it's, I don't know. There's been some, there's been some like some interesting games since before Kirby got here because it does feel like Kirby has dominated this rivalry since he got there. Yeah, it does. So, um, I don't know. It probably won't be happening this year for Florida, but maybe they're on the way back up. Um, all right. You want to get to the recap of the week? Yeah. Because the night slate was a little boring, but there were some really good mm -hmm. games to start the day. Uh, how about the Syracuse-Clemson game? Yeah. So that was, I hate that. That was insane. I hate that I missed the second half of that because I was driving up to your place, but like, it kind of feels like it was the same exact game. Like if you would have like just put on the DVR from, I don't know, a couple of years ago and, and be like, Hey, Clemson Syracuse are playing. I would just believe you that it was the same game. Right. Yeah. We're the one where they had to come back at home and win. Right. So Clemson goes down 21, 10 and they've already turned the ball over. I think at that point, three or four times mm -hmm. and Syracuse never did anything to, Really, I think maybe one drive they did, but never took advantage of the turnovers they were getting from Clemson. Mm -mm. And you always kind of knew that that would probably end up biting them. But what you didn't know is that DJU would get benched in yeah. the game. They were playing well all year. Um, he had a pick, a bad pick, a bad fumble going in on the goal line. Klubnik comes in. Watching it, the, the story will be Klubnik came in and led them to a victory. I, I wouldn't go that far. I mean, he had a yeah. couple decent throws, but he didn't do anything special. Syracuse melted down. 
or Clemson's defense really just took over. I mean, Syracuse didn't score in the second half. So what's weird about that is that like that part bums me out because you had like you saw early on that Syracuse did some things well, like on offense and defense that like made you think that like I, I, I this is probably just my own inherent bias because it's Syracuse. But like there's never a time when I was watching that when I was like, I feel like Syracuse could be an undefeated challenger in the like, like nationally because of how they're playing against Clemson. But there mm -hmm. was part of me that was watching it was like, man, I tell you what. Clemson like has like Clemson's offense to watch like them like their play calling is it's it's awful it's awful to watch it is awful I wonder watch. how much it is they're trying to dumb down not dumb down but like simplify the offense for for DJU considering all of his problems last year I wonder I, if they just feel like they're they the full playbook isn't open up to them I don't. So the full playbook, like, it, like you think about DJU. What's the one game he's ever had that he like balled out? Uh, he had the Notre Dame game his freshman year when he was filling in for Trevor, who had COVID, and everyone was like, "Holy shit, this guy!" You remember how many times he threw the ball? No. He threw the ball like forty times, I think. Hold on, let me see this. Let me double check this. I, it's still impress. It was still an impressive performance. I mean, I. Yeah. No, that's the whole point. But like, oh, he's yeah, a yeah. five-star quarterback. That's like, okay, he 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 can throw the football. Um, yeah, here you go. I'm pulling up right now. So he's he's a five-star quarterback that can throw the football. That's like what his high school days were. He was 29 of 44 for 439 yards. So what I don't understand, and what I have not understood for a while now because they've been doing this since last year, is this commitment to like the read like the, the zone read from this offense repeatedly at one point they, they lined up and it was like, I don't think it was one of those things where, you know, we've, we've had games before where it's like, and they lined up and they were like, we're running the fucking football and that's final. And like, you know, here we go. Just, just, you know, roll up your sleeves. And, and that's, that's what we're going to do. Like Georgia's done that before, you know, other teams have done that before like Kentucky, whatever. But like, it looked like they didn't know what to do because they don't have a receiver to go win any 50 50 balls. They don't throw the ball deep. Well, they don't extend the plays. So everything is like in this like weird 10 yard increments of like, okay, it, it feels like a fucking battle, a big battle every 10 yards. It yeah. never feels it's like, Hey, we're going to loosen up the defense. We're going to like, we're going to, we're going to catch them. Like, you know, biting on, on like, like, like crowd in the box. And then we'll go play action. It never, it never feels like that. It always feels like, okay, well, how can we just get this fucking 10 yards for the love of God? It's like they're living like paycheck to paycheck from first down to first down, like to get to like down the field. That That's what it feels like watching. And then they got stopped on fourth. They, they That's how they fumbled the ball to go down 21 to seven late in the, in the first half, which yeah. was. Yeah. That know. was returned for a touchdown too. So like a lot of, I mean, Syracuse, they scored 14 points on offense. They had 269 yards of offense. Clemson was clearly the better team. Um, they only scored. They only. They only ran, or they only had 119 yards in the second half. Who, so, Clemson? no cues. Oh, so like they just got completely shut down, and Clemson finally just stopped turning the ball over. Uh, that was really the story of the game. Clemson was clearly the much better team. Um, yeah. But it'll be interesting to see, you know, like Dabo came out after said DJ's still our guy, no doubt. 
but I, I, it kind of feels like DJ is a little mentally frail. I can't imagine that this is going to help his confidence. No, I think, I think that's very, very, and I do think that Dabo has done a good job of like doing his best to, to like get confidence in this kid. That's I, I kept saying all year. It's like the, you know, the win at wake forest, somebody brought up in the chat, like he was good in the wake forest game and he was, um, you know, <laughs> somebody asked him about Miami too. <laughs> yeah. Um, he was good in that game, and it, and it did it did kind of feel like they they had done so much for this kid in terms of trying to be like, hey, you're our guy, you're our guy, and I, and I think that that's that's probably something that Dabo does differently than anyone else in the country is like trying to create this, you know, family environment, this loyalty, and and like you know, it's it's everything at Clemson is bigger than football, right? Mm-hmm. And this kid, you know, you heard him in like the offseason. like he thought it was gonna be a lot of people like paying or like, you know. Eden Crow for some of the shit that he said, they said about DJU from last year into this year. Um, I guess, and you know, and it might just be time. Like, cause at this point too, you're still undefeated, even though it doesn't feel like it. Like, you know, I don't think if, if anybody, if, if Clemson and, and Bama lined up, hell, if Clemson and Ole Miss lined up, I'm not, I don't necessarily look at that or, I mean, LSU. Yeah. Like no, I, I'm not I, looking I at that game thinking like, man, Clemson's going to run away with this. No, no. I, this is not the Clemson teams of old. They have a good defense, mm-hmm. but um, any other team that's a legitimate playoff contender, like I think Oregon might. Yeah, they might actually smoke Clemson. Like I, I just don't yeah. think Clemson's that great. Uh, so it's not like a year's they, pass where it's like, yeah, they feasted on a, a weak ACC, but they still had Trevor Lawrence or they still had Deshaun Watson. Right. Like it's Travis just not ETN. like that. Right. Yeah. I mean, ship. Okay, good, real quick. I, whatever. I do. He's not fun to watch. That mustache. Um, I do want. I do want to touch on one thing because it it, it it gets brought up every single week. Clemson storming the field. So. Oh yeah, I don't know how people didn't know about that. Okay, so this is a this is something that they do after every game and have done for years. I've been yeah. to countless Clemson games where it was like Georgia Tech on a Thursday night. I've been to, as you guys have known, I've said this before. I I went to the. The 2015 Notre Dame game where they were both in the top 10 and, and game day was there and and like they had to get a, a stop on a two point conversion to win that, that game, the Lamar Jackson game from 2016, Georgia Tech, Georgia State. These are all games that I've been to in Clemson. They did that at every single every single one of those games. It's not rushing the field. It's the same as you. Do, it's the same as like a high school. Like I, I don't I'm assuming all high schools did this. I know we did at Parkview, but like after the game, everyone would go on the field. And like, you know, say, hey, to like your friends and like the, you know, whoever got done playing and all like that was just what you did. Um, mm-hmm. That's what Clemson does. And I don't it's not like they're not storming the field like, yeah, we did it. Like, like you know, tearing down the goalpost types, like storming the field. It's just it's just what they do. Now, I will say it is so it weird. <laughs> it's it's I mean, most like, again, Clemson is just the Southern Baptist version of A&M. They, yeah. they are. They don't have it's, as many. Go ahead. It's actually insane that they still do that in 2022. Like Why? as we've clearly have seen, like what could bad can happen after a game, which is a whole other thing. You know, you got we're gonna get up in arms about the Jermaine Burton thing, which I get. Um, but like, just how much could actually go wrong in that scenario versus like the benefit of just letting people on the field? I'm just surprised in today's day and age, would everything get caught on camera? that people they allow that still but yeah it's like a you you actually nailed it it's like a high school thing like that's why it's 
it's not pathetic because they just beat Syracuse because that's not why they did it. It's pathetic that it is like a very high school tradition. Yeah. But again, Clemson's a different place, man. And I'm not saying this to make fun of Clemson. I'm saying this just because, because I, you know, your wife brought this up last night. Like I, like I, I've maintained for a long time and it's been a minute since I've been there. I I haven't been to a game there since I think since Deshaun Watson um, in that year, like, cause like, I don't think that I would necessarily have the same mindset nowadays, just knowing like, you know, what I know about Clemson uh, or how I feel about Clemson. But like, it is, it's, it was the best game day atmosphere I'd ever been to year in and year out. Like, and it was so much fun, but it's different. Like, they, like it's the only place I've ever been to where they have an in-house DJ that lines up next to the student section. will play like trap ass rap music for like an hour or, or like pump up music, like everything you could imagine on that playlist for 60 minutes right before the game. And, and then right before kickoff also have a prayer in the stadium, like, like full on, like, like get bow your heads for a moment of, of, of you know, it's the only place I've ever been to like that. So whether that's good or bad, I don't know, but it's very, very different for sure. Yeah. Um, so that keeps them obviously alive in the conversation. Uh, any more games from the noon slate that stuck, stuck out to you? I mean, I didn't really see anything. Tennessee, we were laughing because my God, it was 52 to seven at the half. Um, so uh, just nothing to talk about in that game. We just thought that was funny. That was funny though. Someone mentioned in the chat, the eight turnovers, for Miami. Yeah. They get blown out by Duke 45, 21 at home. There was like, I mean, you could not have convinced me that there was 3000 people there. I would have been like, no, that's a lot. No, no. Week in and week out. There's not, there's not, it's just such a, I've, I've maintained and it's, I know it, it sounds very, uh, biased coming from a, a Florida state guy who hates Miami, mm-hmm. but I I've maintained that. I think, this whole like John Ruiz thing seems like it could only end poorly. Well, what you're going to end up doing is giving, they're going to be indebted to this one person. Right. And, and the relationship is going to be very one side. Crunk for Christ is a fantastic, that is incredible. And he doesn't seem so to be like the best of guys either. Like, no, no. But what it, what it <laughs> does feel like is that they are, they are going to be giving like, like, like everything, everything that like Mario Cristobal is going to be trying um, to gain, right? Like, hey guys, like this, I need, I need this from the boosters. Everything that he's going to be trying to like, like his bargaining chip is like basically credit. Like, like you know, you're, yeah. I, I need you guys to to spot this and and like get this in in play so we can go get these recruits. And in the meantime, like. Before the season, it was like, you know, we're, I know I can recruit and we're going to win games. And this is the top 15 team in, in the AP, of course, yeah. like week two or whatever. Um, but like it's everything he has to, to, to bargain and match like John Ruiz's like philanthropy and niceness is like all stuff in the future. Like, hey, man, like, you know, down the road, though, everything's going to be a good like we're going to we're going to get we're going <laughs> to we're going to win all these games and we're going to do this and like. And now that you're not really able to do that and he's like fronted all of this, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. he's, he's the one sponsoring all of the stuff with this, with this program right now. Um, and, and like, it's one thing to lose to Duke at home. It's like, you know, year one losses or, or whatever, but to lose to Duke at home like this and you have eight turnovers. <sighs> yeah. And, and not to, to get like financial at all, but it's, it 
it's not a great time when you're relying on one person that owns a business that's gotten rich to be like potentially going into a recession where like people are very tight with their money. Yeah. Like, so if that one thing goes away from you, like, what do you have? Uh, I just, I don't know. And, and the whole, like John Ruiz wants everyone to know that he's the guy that's running the program. Yeah. I just can't see that being like a good thing long-term. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting to watch. They're, they're recruiting well still. We'll see. Uh, but it also doesn't help that Oregon looks 10 times better than they have when he's not the coach. And the like, quarterback correct. situation, man, I yeah. like, I don't even know what to say about that part because, because we, we've kind of like, it's become like a weekly segment now where we talk about how good Bo Nix is and, and, and that win from Georgia continues to look better and better. Um, but yeah, that is, that's something else, man. That is, I mean. So that game we had on our second screen when we were watching the LSU game and it seemed like every time we were like panning down to watch the game, it was just Bo Nix throwing absolute darts all over the field. Game. Whether they were, you know, a 10 yard out that was just put perfectly on the sideline, or if it's a 50 yard bomb, like laid perfectly to the guy's hands. What do you think Auburn fans feel like when they watch Bo Nix out of Oregon right now? I don't feel like Auburn fans feel anything inside anymore, to be honest. <laughs> I think, I mean, like, of course, like you look at, um, you look at like what, what they, uh, where that program is. And now you have like this off week, there's rumors going around Auburn that, that Will Friend and some of those assistants haven't been on the, out on the road once this year. Jesus. I mean, think about that. Like yes. that's insane. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, you know, um, okay. So but there's, here, here, let me ask you this. Let me, let me get your opinion on this because I, th I think that this has become, this constant thing, I think, from Georgia fans. And I I admittedly at first thought it was like, okay, it's like this like unending, never-ending, like, you know, want to be like to just like pound their chest. And I didn't realize that people were telling Georgia fans after the Oregon game that Oregon's shitty. Like as soon as or as soon as Georgia won that game, I didn't realize that social media was telling them like Oregon always does this. No, they don't. <laughs> no, they don't. Yeah. Like Oregon isn't always like Oregon's not AM. Like and right. if and if they were, they only were under Cristobal, who's not there anymore. Like what Dan Lanning has done, I hate that it's like it's, it's such a discredit to what Dan Lanning's doing in year one with Bo Nix as his quarterback. Like that is an incredible turnaround. And and also, who's the guy that was y'all's? Uh, yeah, Kenny Dillingham. Kenny Dillingham. Um, so that kind of stuff, like you know, that it's weird to me because it's like, man, this is like a really good. Seems like a really good like job in year one. And, and now admittedly, I don't think that Georgia necessarily beats Oregon 49 to three. If they played again today, maybe, maybe, maybe they do. Yeah, no, no. Maybe I'm completely I wrong. I don't think so. I think we've seen, I thought we saw jo or Oregon play their worst game. I thought we saw Georgia probably play their best game, but also play a very different game. Cause we haven't seen them throw the ball like that since, since then. Um, and that's not either good. That's not either, you know, good or bad. Is that the most impressive win of the season this so far? I mean, it was dominant. Um, look, if you it was, look back, it was absolutely dominant. Yeah, like UCLA. I mean, it was forty-five thirty, but that's it wasn't as close as that score. Um, you look back at their schedule. I mean, they they beat uh, then number twelve BYU forty-one twenty, and now that was they beat a close number two. I think right. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, the score is not very close. They won by twenty-one points. 
I'm saying it was um, closer, I thought, but never mind. Number nine, UCLA. Then they beat by 15. So it's like you start going down their schedule. They play Cal, Colorado, home against Washington, which, you know, Washington's kind of fallen off a little bit. Then they go to, then they, they host Utah. And that Utah game is going to be big because they got their asses beat by Utah twice last year. Twice. Like, totally last year. just manhandled. And everyone thought Oregon was going to be really good because they went on the road to beat Ohio State. And that was a great win last year. Mm-hmm. But they got just dominated by Utah twice. So that's going to be a huge game. But shit, Oregon, Oregon could potentially be in the playoff. Yeah. I wouldn't even like, I, if you told me. You play Pac 12 because I mean, they have a Pac 12 championship game, right? It's just on the campus. Yeah, no, 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 no. It's in Vegas. I don't, think it's it, I don't know. I honestly don't know where it is. It used to be in Santa Clara. It used to be where they played that Bama Clemson national championship, and tickets would go for like nine bucks, like legit. So you let's just say they they let's play a scenario out where they win out, including beating Utah. So they play a Pac-12 game against what USC, possibly, and then they beat them. You, there's no way you leave them out. Yeah, yeah, you do. I mean, like. I, they so they would so and, and this is the thing that's so weird too because Georgia beat the shit out of them so badly, yeah. That there there are people that would argue that you can't have them in at all because of how bad they looked against elite competition. Because I think Georgia goes undefeated at least the regular season, um, and then you start getting getting into like the semantics because because the biggest concern is if you're an SEC fan trying to get multiple teams in or you're you know you're. Um, I think there's only two teams getting in from the SEC that, that, that at the end of the season will have a legitimate shot. I really do. Um, and I think those two teams are going to play each other on November 5th. Right. But like you, I don't, I don't know if enough people are going to believe in Tennessee over Michigan, especially with what we know always happens. Right. When it gets to the end of the year and everything becomes just like, what have you done for me lately? Prisoner of the moment. Like, situation we saw it with like in my opinion we saw it with the 2000 uh we saw it with the 2018 heisman race where tua had led like the entire year and then you know it goes to kyler not saying he didn't deserve it but it just all of a sudden like that's like switched on its head we saw it in the 2006 florida um ohio state game where florida got in but like you know they, there was a majority of the like the national casuals to take a a, a word from josh pate wanted a rematch of Michigan, Ohio State, like God forbid, Michigan, Ohio State play some classic, like 28, 27 game against each other that comes down to like the last minute, because then everyone will be saying like, you know, Michigan was in the playoff last year and they all they they, they have one loss over the last year, two losses over the last two years into Clemson and, or to Ohio State and Georgia or, or same with Ohio State, like, you know, Ohio State has one loss and it's it's against Michigan. And that game is in Columbus, of course, like all of them have been this year. So I don't know if Tennessee, just because of the the way like where the way the last fifteen years have been, which is unfair. I don't know if the national like media or the the what do you call it um, the playoff committee would would put them in over them. It's a fair thought. I mean, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, there, there there's a lot to be played out. Jordan and Tennessee still got to play each other. Um, so it, it's Michigan and Ohio State will play each other. So it's going to be super interesting to see. What happens on the stretch here? Well, and real quick too, just talk about like the most impressive win part of it. This is one thing that like I did a lot of thinking about this today, and that is like Georgia looks so dominant the first three weeks of the year, and we we haven't really seen that level of dominance. But that level of dominance is very very different than anything we've seen, right? Like so, it's like I'm not going to hold them 
I'm not gonna I'm not gonna have like a knock against Georgia because they haven't beaten a ranked team 49 to three since then. But now you start looking at some of the current ranked teams. Like South Carolina has won four games in a row. They're ranked. Like, you know, by the grace of God, <laughs> South Carolina <laughs> has, you know, they you get just tip their caps at Shane Beamer. They were able to get stuff done last night and, and not like they they have done it in a in a very pretty way in any of the, their their big wins, but they did it. And now you're talking about Georgia who who's dom- who dominated both those games, both of them. And I know I've given them shit for not like playing a lot of games away from home, but both of those games away from home. So, yeah. and, and mm-hmm. now the argument I would make too, like in favor of Georgia is like, like if you're if, like to use my own argument against me, like, well, you know, like we haven't seen him be that dominant, you know, in a couple of weeks, whatever. Well, they haven't been healthy since early on. Like A.D. Mitchell's not there. Jalen Carter's still dinged up. Like they've got they've got you know a couple of like injuries like on on both sides of the ball. It, what what if that is Georgia? What if what if that is who Georgia is? Is what we saw in the first three weeks of the year when they were completely healthy. I mean, I would be totally shocked. It's it's been yeah. interesting. I think it's a product of not only how good Georgia is, but also the schedule they've played since the Oregon game. Nobody ever talks about Georgia. Yeah, it's like, weird. They're, they're not like a topic of conversation, which they and probably I think it's more of a, being a I think it's more of a testament so. that like that they're just so dominant that people just kind of know what we have with Georgia. Yeah, I mean, we, we don't hear about Ohio State that much either. That's true. Um, the other three thirty game that was really good outside of LSU, we'll get to that in a minute. Was the Texas Oklahoma State game? Mm-hmm. That game was back and forth. Um, at one point, I had the over 58 and a half, and it, the score was like 24 to like 31 at the half. And I was like, oh, this mm-hmm. is just, we're sailing. And then, like, no score, like, towards the end of the third quarter. I'm like, all right, what's going on here? But we ended up hitting right. the, the over. Texas, we both had this one wrong. Thought with the Spencer Sanders injury, you know, sore injury, they'd be slowed down. But he throws for almost 400 yards, two touchdowns. Um, and and Texas was good. You know, they put up 34 points, but only three points after the half, which uh, really, you know, did yeah. them in. And Oklahoma State. Also, the quick yards are not good, man. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he wasn't great. His stats were okay, but, yeah, that's uh, that was an interesting line, you know. Vegas – yeah, had that one wrong pretty bad, or they had it right, depending on how many people bet on that. You know what I mean? That's true. Yeah, that's a great point. It was, yeah. Uh, so yeah, Texas was, um, I guess it was a pretty close game in the end, but um, so that Texas falls, they're still ranked 20th, I believe, or they did they drop out? They were 20th. Well, let me look real quick because that, that was one thing that people were talking about today because they looked bad, I guess. like so now like the Texas Tech loss looks bad like because if, yeah. if you had your second loss if you had two losses one to Bama by one and and then one on the road um because what do you call it uh the one on the road against like a, a team that was ranked ahead of you you know like routes of the top 10 um I mean that's it looks like it looks way worse for Texas because let me see here they you know they, they dropped out completely they are 26 now um they're the first team out. And both bowls, but like it looks way worse for Texas because they they were favored, which really isn't their fault. But at the same time, like you know, you're not like I mean, what are you going to do about that? Like they're not who the fuck that Clemson got a first place vote. 
Oh my god! Had been a Clemson writer. Clemson's joke. Clemson's uh, beat is like notoriously all like very like homerish Clemson alum. I could see that, Um, which isn't actually totally shocking for them, but no. Um, So yeah, so so Texas falls. Oklahoma State gets a big win. Um, The exciting game we watched was uh, the LSU game. Yeah, and Ole Miss continues to struggle in the second half. So this has now become a thing. This is this is now a thousand percent a thing. Um, Pretty shocking that that a guy like Lane, like obviously, comes in with a great game plan. Is he just getting like totally? totally, Is he not making the right adjustments every single game? Well, and I think there's people in here that would attest to this. Like halftime adjustments are like what make some like you know what make coaches great or good coaches good and great coaches great you know what i mean mm-hmm. i'm trying to go through it right now because um i like you said team ranks is a good job of this of showing like your second half stats but they don't show it in every game um i mean it's been a minute since uh we've seen them like like i saw this early on against tulsa and people were like you know concerned like you know how come they didn't they didn't put away tulsa and, and like you know we saw them against like georgia tech open up to like you know, they had 21 points in the, uh, what do you call it? In the, the first half and then 21 points in the third quarter. And they kind of just like took their foot off the gas. Their, their strength of schedule is, is the worst out of any team going into this weekend. It was the worst out of any contender in the country. Right. And what we saw against Tulsa, they had like, they opened, they opened up like a 35, um, to 17 lead at the half. Right. But they put up 35 points. They scored in five of their first six offensive possessions. They didn't score a single point in, in the second half. Um, and since then, I think that, that was like the turning point. And I, I went to bad form and tried to defend them. Like, you know, it's, it's because they have, you know, Tulsa is one of the best passing offenses in the country. They've been outscored. I'm, I'm doing the math right now, but I'm pretty sure they've been outscored in, in almost every first half since then or second half since then. Besides wow. Vandy, fucking Vandy. Yeah. And I want to give total credit to not only LSU as a team, you know, but Jaden Daniels, man, like. 20 of 20, 21 of 28, 248 yards, two touchdowns, no picks, another 121 yards on the ground with another three touchdowns. I mean, that's two games in a row where this kid has really, I mean, he, uh, he established a new school record. I, I think I saw, um, for touchdowns for in, in two weeks. It was rushing yards in a season. Oh too. yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. So he's accounted for 11 touchdowns over the last two games. Yeah. Yeah, I tell you what, man, if you if you take away like, you know, you take away that Vandy game where they put up 35 points in the second half and outscored them 35 to 8, you're looking at you got outscored 3 to 7 against Kentucky at home. You got outscored 10 to nothing uh against Tulsa at home. Then you had you had then you had the Vandy game. You had Auburn at home and you outscored them 20 to 17 and that's like, you know, that's a team that we've I've, we've gone in depth about how they have been awful in the second half. And so there was, that's shocking that they were able to put up that many points at all against you in the second half. But then you have LSU and you get outscored zero or, or 28, nothing in the second half. Like the concern for me, if you're Ole Miss is this is, this is like, it seems like again, besides Vandy, you did this against, let's see here in four of your last five games. So LSU, Auburn, Vandy, Kentucky, and Tulsa and, and Vandy's the outlier you went up by at least two scores in the first half of that game. And, and a couple of times you went up by two scores in the first quarter. And 
and you have the ability to put your foot on someone's throat and put them away. And as I've said a thousand times, that's like, that's what elite teams do. That's what championship teams do. And, and if you're a guy like Lane Kiffin with, with now, now you're up by 14, you've got the whole playbook at your disposal. You, I mean, you could like get real creative and, and make that defense real uncomfortable. And what ends up happening is that they just, they get absolutely shut down. Like LSU, we, we've saw this a couple weeks ago against Tennessee when they went down early, what that could have looked like with a yeah. championship level team and a team that, you know, if you want to compare them to Ole Miss about saying, I don't, I don't think either team is not necessarily a, has a bad defense, but like if you, the, I think the narrative is it's a great offense and that's about it. Well, that's what a great offensive team did to them with Tennessee. They, and, you know, they put them away early. They didn't give them a chance to come back. And, and like, I mean, LSU, LSU was right back in this game. Like, you, you go up 17 to three, and within, let's see here, within six minutes, now 17, it's 17 17. I, yeah. So they like came out hot. Quinchon Judkins, another good game. I guess Zach Evans just, he didn't play in this game. Was, he got uh, injured early on. Um, Two touchdowns for Judkins in the first quarter. Ole Miss didn't yeah. score another touchdown all night. Yeah. They, I mean, they, we talked about this the... in the pregame. It's like, can Jackson Dart, if you're going to have to toss the ball around a lot, can Jackson Dart go win you a game? I think we know the answer. I think we do. No touchdowns. So I'm trying to just look at the, pick. do the math on this right now. Of like, their, their second half drives, they had, you had punt, turnover on downs, punt, turnover on downs, and the end of game. So you had five possessions two punts and technically three turnover on downs. But like this second, I got to know what happened in this second series here. They had a turnover on downs and, and the drive was 13 plays and they only had 40 yards and it only lasted two minutes and 11 seconds. I don't even know how you do that. <laughs> Not even mad. Yeah. Uh, so really good win for LSU. Um, obviously season's not over for Ole Miss, but we knew they were entering into a tough stretch, not a great start to that stretch. Um, and LSU, let's, let's see what they can make of their season. They've got a big game coming up in a couple weeks. Yeah, they do. I'm a little bit nervous about that game. I wasn't That's in Baton Rouge? Yeah. So, I mean, you haven't heard me say this before probably, um, but I'm sure our listeners have at nauseum, but like, I wasn't that concerned beforehand because just historically speaking, Alabama has lost five times to LSU in Baton Rouge since 1957. <laughs> that is some statistic right there. <laughs> yeah. I don't lose in Baton Rouge. <laughs> and they play every year. So every two years. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, Saban has like two of those. <laughs> That's funny. Is uh is that uh is that gonna be a night game or a day game? Do we know? So we find out tomorrow. I would be shocked if part of me is like at, at Georgia fans. I'm joking when I say this, and I hope this doesn't happen to you guys because you don't you don't deserve it if it does. There's just I just never rule out the like the the potential of the SEC fucking over Georgia or or ESPN fucking over Georgia and giving them a noon kickoff in a massive game. Like Georgia, Tennessee is There's the no biggest game. game. It was against Arkansas last year. Uh, that was a no top way. 10 game where game day was there. It, the, now, which one not, is the CBS earlier, game? So, so they haven't announced it yet, but they see 
the thing with CBS, this is the thing that like Georgia fans were saying all week. And I, I didn't, I don't know if they understood necessarily, but like CBS only has one night game a year. Right. And they already used it with the Bama A&M game. So there's not going to be another CBS night game for the rest of the year. There can't be. Right. Okay. Which means they have first choice every week. And so it's the three thirty slot. And it makes the most sense to have this game be a three thirty game on CBS. Cause it's the biggest game of the year. And CBS is a national, you know, like, like, I don't know why they the would Georgia's choose anything else. Yeah. I don't know why they would yeah, choose yeah. anything else. Right. I just, but part of me is like, it's like, I'm almost like just like nervous for Georgia fans. It's something stupid is going to come out tomorrow when they make that announcement. Um, yeah. <laughs> One of the Georgia fans in here, Ben Diesel said, uh, I swear the SEC thinks Athens closed at 5 PM or something. It's so weird. It's just, it's so bizarre. And I, I've never understood it. Like, and you know, the Arkansas game that I brought up is like the comparison. That's a little bit different. Cause that was like October 1st of a year ago. So it's, it's not, there's not as much writing on it or anything like that, but this yeah. is, well, I'm going to go look at the slate, but I mean, couldn't it, couldn't it technically the one that's not the three thirty game be like the ABC game? No. Cause we don't, I don't think they have, um, I don't think I th- I'm pretty sure that game ESPN, is ESPN ABC owns ESPN or Disney owns both. Yeah. But I think that, I think that specific time slot is carved out for, I, I mean, I when's the last time that that game was with an sec team that was two sec teams. I, I haven't seen that. Yeah. I, I haven't either. I don't think so. I don't know the exact, that. like, like the rules on it or whatever, but I'm pretty sure that's not going to happen. All right. So, um, it, but it'll probably be an ESPN night game then. Somebody said last night. Um, what was last night? Actually, yeah, somebody brought up. So that last was night, the ESPN what was on ABC. Mississippi State Bama, but I think he's he's saying or that person's saying that because it, uh, that's because it was called by Kirk and Fowler. But that that's it was on ESPN. A, yeah, that's not that's not like ABC is a nationally televised yeah. like 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 homes without cable in fucking Saskatchewan are getting that. I think I don't know where Saskatchewan is. Um, are getting that game and it, like ESPN is still like, you know, that's, that's not considered like it's nationally televised, but it's not like, like CBS, ABC type games, like where it goes into every single home yeah. that has a TV in general. But yeah, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Like, I just, there should be, there's, there should be, we shouldn't even be talking about it. Cause it shouldn't even be an issue. It should be a no brainer that that is the three thirty game, but I just, I've seen them screw Georgia before and I don't really get it. The only time that, is that, that hasn't happened and they got like preferential treatment, not like not preferential treatment, but like the treatment they should have gotten was the Georgia Notre Dame game in like 2019 when they, they that was the eight o'clock game. And it was like, well, it's about damn time. Yeah, I don't, I, don't, I just don't see a noon, but I could be wrong. Hopefully, hopefully I am not wrong. Um, what other games? We get into the night games. Obviously, you had Mississippi State and Bama was the one we were streaming. Um, that game just never was close. Mississippi State was lucky to oh, score at the end there. Are you sure? That's weird because SDS said it was the closest 30-6 to six game they'd ever seen. I wouldn't agree with that. I mean, yeah, I wouldn't obviously, either. in the second half of that game, both teams were – I mean, it was – there was 12 total points in the second half. So, um, and Mississippi State scored like with like four seconds left. 
Um, um, oh, here's an interesting stat. Did you know that? No, actually, they scored with no no time because they were just like, yeah. well, we're not even going to kick the, the extra point. Did you know that Mississippi State had uh, had more total yards than Bama did? Bama only had 290 yards of offense. I did not know that. I didn't either. Maybe that's why SDS said it was the closest 36 game ever. <laughs> they said they said that Mississippi State left some points on the board and that the box score showed that that game was a lot closer than it than it was, which I, I just I again, I didn't have that feeling, but that's what I don't really care. I've learned that most of my takes about uh, that one team is probably going to end up not counting for much anyway. So when we were watching, we we found it kind of strange um to like the leeches game plan where they came out and just running the ball like constantly yeah yeah um but you brought up a good point like they've haven't been able to score at all on bam over the last couple of years so probably gonna try to switch it up and that didn't really work either <laughs> it did not um yeah the 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 whole thing was kind of odd in a lot of ways i just was there were <sighs> I had a lot of feelings. It was just a slow game. game. Yeah. Like not, not in terms of how long it took, but it was just like nothing exciting ever happened. It felt like. No. And there was like, there, it wasn't like, I don't think it was like a badly played game necessarily, but it was, I mean, it was one of those things too, where like, I thought there were a lot of positives to take from it from terms of, okay, like they need to come out and do this. Okay, no. So that's, that's, that's one of my issues that I, I have with this. There's two issues I have with this game that, um, I'm I just really frustrate me. And I, I feel like our, you know, I'll just get into it now. I, I didn't know what the, the most appropriate time to get into it was, but like, I'm just going to get into it now. So I was thinking about this last night and, and this, this, like, I was thinking about maybe I need to have like all the, 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 like the facts or info or whatever, but I know that I would also go off on this about anyone else in the sec or, or country. But the fact that Jermaine Burton played last night was one of the most, like one of the dumbest, most like inexcusable and shitty things I think I've seen in the Saban era. And, and like you have video of him hitting a, a woman on the field after the game. And I've, I've admittedly stayed away from most of like the social media back and forth on that because it's, it's, you know, I'm sure it's as toxic as what actually happened on the field to an extent. I'm not, I'm not, there's no part of it's condoning anything he did. I've seen times that, like, you know, where players who are, are, who need the team you've heard like coaches say like they need the team more than the team needed them. And if you, if you just write them off, you know, that doesn't help them learn a lesson. I don't see what starting Jermaine Burton did it for anybody. And, and, and it really, it made me feel like there's a bigger issue right now with Saban and, and the team than I originally thought because Jermaine Burton is not, he's not somebody on that team that's going to win you a football game. Like he, he hasn't done anything in his career, in my opinion, while at Georgia or at Bama, that has been like, well, thank God Jermaine Burton took over and, and won that football game. I said going into the, into the season, half of his, his career games at Georgia, he only had – they ended with him having zero or one reception. Um, he had – or maybe it was less than two receptions. He, like, like a majority of his production came in like garbage time. He had a, he had a decent game against A&M, and, you know, but he had two, two touchdown catches in his first game against Utah State, and that was it. And we haven't seen him do anything remarkable this season. And and also, all of those things shouldn't matter when this is like the the, the subject matter at hand with what, he, with what he did. If you hit a woman and it's on tape 
you shouldn't be in a fucking game, regardless of how big it is, regardless if it's, you know, if it's the national championship or if it's fucking practice, you should not be on the field until that is dealt with it, moving forward. Like, like whether it's, hey, we're still trying to gather all the evidence, we're trying to figure out, then fine, then sit his ass out. You have an off week next week. And you and to be honest, you didn't need Jermaine Burton to win that game. So there's no reason. And like, and if that and if that was the reason, that's even more despicable if you thought you needed him to win that game. It's just the whole thing is so gross and it just pisses me off so much that like that that's what the state of that program is. That like all of these things, you're under scrutiny. And 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 I feel like, you know, there's there's like the the stuff with Will Anderson and, and he's come under fire and and like and Saban has looked at times, maybe, maybe this is just where things are at. Like all of this is too much for him. Like all of this is too much for Saban to handle anymore. And I, I love Nick Saban. He's, he's brought my favorite team, their best several years that they will ever have. Like, and, and I got to witness that in real time. He's one of my, my best friend's dads. He's a great, you know, person off the field in terms of all these things he does and like philanthropy and, and what he's brought to that university and the community, all that kind of stuff. But having Jermaine Burton play last night was a sign to me that he doesn't really get it right now. And it really, really, really like pissed me off. And, and more than anything, it really bummed me out. Like, which I, that, that doesn't feel like it does a, like a service to how big of a deal that was, but it really just bummed me out to think that like that person who's done so much for this school and, and the game and whatever else made that decision. When the, when the, the clear decision like the, like the the air on the side of caution, the easy decision was maybe we sit that kid out. He laid his hands on a, on a woman. I don't care if she shouldn't have been on the field in some of your opinion, like what, like whatever the pushback is, the, that was the end result is that he hit a woman. He shouldn't touch the field until that shit is figured out. And if it happened anywhere else in the country, I would be, I would, I, I probably would have been even more vocal about it than I am now. And for that, I feel bad. And I apologize that I, I didn't, even I didn't like look into seeing how, how like that was as big of a deal as it, it should have been treated. I, I just, that was, it's, it just fucking grosses me out. Yeah. And the thing we talked about last night was it's one thing if there are allegations that are made against right. somebody off the field that they hit a woman, but there's really no proof at this point until you get through the process. I could say, okay, we in this country, we and you're innocent until you're proven guilty. But there's multiple angles, uh, video mm -hmm. of it happening. So, though things haven't processed themselves in court yet, we know what happened. It was filmed. Yeah. So it makes it different. Um, and even you know, what did he say before the game that we kind of thought was weird? We were kind of joking about it all night. But he's like, I don't know. Oh, if he prepared. made this comment right before, right before kickoff, and they were like, "How's your team prepared?" And and like th that was like kind of like a staple of what you've seen from saving teams in the past, where it's like, "All right, you got to get up off the mat, and your back's against the wall, and you got to go fucking dominate and win out, and blah blah blah." And they were like, "You know, how did you? How was this week? How did this team prepare this week following that loss to Tennessee?" And he said, "Well, you never know how they prepare, how well they prepared." And you're like, "What?" Right. It just I've never heard any, maybe if that's the truth, I've never heard him say that. I've never heard I don't think I've ever heard any coach say that. That's a really weird thing to say. And you know, I know there's there's a, a comments like like listen, I I agree with the comments that are in here. And here's the other thing too that, that pissed me off. And this is on a much lighter note, 
but it's on a note I think that has brought up a a bunch of like like it's been like you know under a microscope like very recently, and that's this. So Bama has been the most penalized team, and, and just so everyone is clear, I'm moving on from the Jermaine Burton thing, and this is not like in no way am I comparing these two issues as being remotely close to being the same, like in terms of seriousness. This is just the other thing that bothered me about last night. So Bama goes up to Tennessee and has 17 penalties. And you talk about all the penalties they've had on the road and this and that. And, and, you know, I thought that there were a lot of penalties in that game that probably could have also been called on Tennessee. The Bryce hit, I was shocked that wasn't called, especially since it was reviewed especially with this day and age in terms of how, how quick people are to call targeting and, and helmet to helmet stuff and, and all that kind of stuff. I'm also very aware, uh, you know, as, as biased as you guys think I might be sometimes, I'm also very aware of the fact that like there's not a single person in the country that's going to feel bad for Bama or Bama fans or anything involving penalties because of what they have perceived to have happened over the last decade that Bama got all the calls and, and blah, blah, blah. I fully get that. And I don't, I don't think any part of me has been like, hey, man, feel sorry for me real quick. No, like I, I get that. What bothered me was you had 17 penalties in one game and you had it against a team that I thought going or that I knew going into it was the only team in the SEC that had more penalties per game than, than Bama. So to have that much of a discrepancy, especially when you're like, man, there's plays where like the, the receiver's getting his face mask grabbed and, and up in the air and, and it's not pass interference, nor is it a face mask. And there's, you know, and, and you know, and I know that fans felt like Bama got away with a, a pass interference call in the end zone or whatever. It just felt like it was so egregiously and drastically different for both teams that it was very one-sided. And I'm not saying they were out to get Bama at all, but it was very one-sided. All I want to see from that is that the next game, when you go out, just make sure that the officials call a better game, do a better job of what, what their job is. Like if there's a, if there's a targeting play or helmet to helmet contact and you review it probably should call that. If there's weird plays where it's like somebody's returning a, a, a interception and you throw a flag 40 yards out of the field and then say that weird thing about there's no block in the back or no flag for a block in the back. What I don't want to see is this grossly overcorrection where you're penalizing Mississippi state who had nothing to do with that game because of, non-calls in the Bama-Tennessee game. And you saw it multiple times last night. The first time Bryce got hit, they threw a flag for roughing the passer. And it was soft as shit. And that kind of stuff, it's like, that that doesn't help. That doesn't help you get better at your job if you're an official. That doesn't help like the league get better in terms of the perception of them calling games. It doesn't help the, like the, the narrative that's being built about, you know, one certain team or a certain team in, in games getting like preferential treatment none of that none of that is 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 aided or helped by you going out there and, and throwing less flags on bama and more flags on mississippi state that that, that weren't warranted I, I just that part i didn't get and there was they did a good job of some calls and, and like i guess but like to, to go from a game where like bama had 17 penalties they had double digit penalties on the road in in like all three of those games they've, they've had a, like they've they've been bad in penalties all year they had the most penalties called on them in the entire country they had three penalties last night you're telling me that all of a sudden 
they just they just got everything figured out with how sloppy that team's been all year and how poorly coached they've been. They just got everything figured out down to three penalties. No, no, that doesn't help anybody. That's fucking stupid. That's a fair point. Yeah, I didn't feel that way during the game, but also, yeah, looking back, yeah, it does. It was kind of weird. Um, they must had only one game in the past three seasons where they've had it like that was where they had less than. I'm sorry. They've had one game in the last four years against SEC teams where they've had less than three penalties. Just one. And all of a sudden, last night, in the year where they've had more penalties than ever, it just they righted the ship. That's fucking stupid, man. Uh, before we get to our last game, um, let's take a quick timeout to talk about some of uh, the spicy games that we saw. Yeah. No. Actually, the spicy play is Texas Pete. Uh, Texas Pete has the spice and flavor that's kicking this football season up a notch. If you haven't tried the original hot sauce, which I bought yesterday, threw mm-hmm. that out on my social media, had it on my Waffle House this morning, also okay. had it on the pizza that we ordered last night. If you've tried their new traditional uh, barbecue sauce, you got to go out and get it today. Visit TexasPete.com for recipes and hot apparel. Plus, take 20% off your entire order with promo code UNCENSORED. Win big with Texas Pete when you sauce like you mean it. Texas Pete came through big, and so did South Carolina. Man. So there's a lot to take from this game. Yeah. Yeah. You got the opening kickoff, old Beamer ball, uh, for a touchdown. You had the fumble and interception deep in AM territory. Turn that into another 10 points to go down, go up 17 nothing on AM. Uh huh. First time South Carolina's, they hold on. You know, Texas AM, we actually, actually made a bet in the Texas Pete Gambling Cave last night with our listener that was in attendance. He bet on AM to come back and win. I said, I'll take that bet all day. And it actually seemed like they possibly were going to at one point. Yeah, it didn't feel like it was that bad of a bet. Yeah. But alas, the fight in Texas Aggies. Fight Texas Aggies. Hey, birthday, Kip. Uh, another loss for the AM uh, Aggies. And it's they're three and four on the season after being preseason top six for the second year. Not a great. Turn of events here for old Jimbo. Okay, and I know that you love that. Also, I'm gonna I'm gonna out Tyler right now and let you, everyone in here know that Tyler has an autographed picture of Jimbo <laughs> in his in his man cave that's just sitting there. It's it's personalized too. It's a personalized. Yeah, autograph. I can't get rid of it because it was given to me as a groomsman gift, and it says to Tyler like it takes a takes a real... great man to be a groomsman. Yeah. It's from just, Jimbo. <laughs> yeah. So my buddy, you know, he actually lives here in town. He comes over to my house. I can't just throw it away. I would. No, you can't. You can't. <laughs> um, no, but like, okay. So I was thinking about this too last night. I don't feel like, look, there's like teams like Arkansas, South Carolina, even. Cause I still think, I think the ceiling for South Carolina is one more win. And I, I, you're not going to talk me out of that. Um, maybe they beat Florida at Florida. They're not beating Tennessee. They're not going to beat Kentucky. And I'm, we don't even need to get into that because I don't want to get all negative Nancy about this. But going I think they can beat Kentucky. I think they could beat Kentucky. They already, they already lost to Kentucky. I meant to say, um, Tennessee, I meant to say Clemson. 
So right. there to be there to be Kentucky. So you're right. Uh, I guess. So, <laughs> but um, I love like how going into disregard that they've actually already played. Yeah. Going well, into the year, by me, I know I'm, I know I'm going out on a limb, but I think they could be Kentucky this year, honestly. What do you, you help me predict AM's rest of the year? They have Ole Miss this weekend. It's at home. By the way, this is their first home game in in Kyle Field since they played Miami. That's insane. Yeah. Um, um they have Ole Miss, then they have Florida at home, then they are then, at Auburn, they have UMass in a, in football. Um and they have LSU at home as their last game of the year. I think three and two is your best case scenario there. I mean, you're going to beat UMass, right? Yeah. I don't think that beating Auburn at Auburn is necessarily a gimme. This is why I'm saying it's the best case. <laughs> three and two. Because you're, I don't think you're going to beat Ole Miss. Yeah. I don't think you're beating LSU. Well, yeah, probably not. I mean, it is a home game. Both of them are. But I haven't seen it. They also lost to App State at home. Yeah. But see, here's the thing, too, is that they just get decimated with injuries. Like, it seems like every single game. And we got to talk about Jimbo's sweatshirt. We got to talk about Jimbo's sweatshirt, which just stole the show last night on social media. But, like, okay, so Connor Wigman comes in to finish out that game because Haynes King gets injured. But Haynes King... So, like, like, Max Johnson's out for the year. You have two quarterbacks left, right? And this is what they kept talking about last night on the on the broadcast was like, all right, if if you're playing all these young kids to give them, like, exposure and and, and get them, like, you know, what do you call it? Like, experience? Mm-hmm. At what point do you just say, all right, fuck it, let's put Connor Wigman out there and, and he's the future anyway and see what happens? Because, it, it, like, I mean, Haynes King, fuck, let me, I mean, like. Well, he was out there. It, Do you dude, remember like, that? Who? Haynes King? Wegman was in the game. I know. He finished the game. Yeah, but that was because of injury. That's, so what I'm saying is, would you put him in the rest of the year? Because Haynes King comes in and goes 17 of 32, 178 yards, one touchdown, one pick. He almost had another interception return for a touchdown, and they ended up like tackling him just short of, like I don't, I don't know, they get the ball, ball back in like A&M's 10-yard line. Like, Yes, this, I play Wegman. What's the point of playing Haynes King at this point? He's not your QB. No, he's not. And you got to get Wegman ready for next year because I don't think Jimbo's going to be fired after this year, but he's going to have to damn sure win 10 games next year. To avoid getting fired? Yeah. I do think that. Because let's let's run down the list. Let's say you do go with Wegman. You may have some better upside, but you're going to have some significant downside too. The kid's a, a true freshman, mm-hmm. and you're going to be throwing him against, you know, Ole Miss, a Florida team who you know isn't great, but they have a really bad defense. So maybe, maybe you could win that game. Maybe home. not. Yeah, at Auburn, you know they've got a good defense. It's a it's an away game in the SEC. I mean UMass, whatever, and then LSU, like. They could technically, I mean, I could easily see them losing four of those games. Yeah. And going and having damn four and eight. They put up almost 400 yards of offense last night and still, still lost. And also, the other thing is they, they forced two turnovers. It wasn't like, like Carol, like 
that Carolina continues to win the ugliest way possible, and we all love to see it because it's Carolina. That that touchdown, that that opening kickoff touchdown return was one of my least. It was like one of the least aesthetically pleasing kickoff returns for a TV I've ever seen because. You know, like usually when you're watching that, you you see like the crease open up, yeah, and you're like, right. oh, and, and somebody like you know hits that like hole, and then is is just gone. That never happened. It just <laughs> just kept like slowly kept breaking like, tackles, get, slowly breaking more and more terrible, terribly like you know bad effort tackles. It was just bizarre. It really was. Yeah. Um. Anyway. So yeah. So congratulations to South Carolina. They're ranked. Big win. Have never beat a And M before. So huge. Um. First four, yeah, you got to give credit to them as well. Since 2013. Yeah. And, you know, looking down their schedule, I mean, let's do that real fast. They're five and two. Their next game is against Mizzou at home. I feel like you could win that game. Six and two. Next yeah. one's Vandy. Figure you go seven and two at that point. Uh, the, the ending stretch is going to be tough. You got at Florida versus Tennessee and then at Clemson. I'm not totally what, ruling out them beating Clemson. I'm not going to totally rule it out. Yeah, and, and you know, and we shouldn't totally rule out Florida too. Um, yeah. Tremendous job from from Shane Beamer, and and like he even said it. Like they they tried their best to give that game away. But and I think in the past, even with how bad A and M's been at times this year, that is a game that 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 they would probably come back and win because because like from a roster standpoint, A and M has a lot more talent than than South Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. So injuries, I, I injuries are a big part of it, but still, they still do even with the injuries. Yeah, I thought it was, um, I thought it was a really good job from from them, and and like just you know, obviously the continued struggle you see with with A and M, but like you know who this really really helps, and I hate to hate to go back and make it about a team that didn't even play this weekend, but you know who this really really helps. Who's that? Georgia. Because oh, in a couple wow. of weeks. Because they've already played South Carolina, and in yep. a couple of weeks you're going to look up, and I don't know who Oregon has, but in a couple of weeks when when like win or lose from that game, like when they start talking about that game, um, the Georgia Tennessee game, you're going to have a South Carolina team that's most likely seven and two, and at that point, right outside of the probably the top, I don't know, top fifteen or inside the top fifteen, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, <clears throat> great job by Beamer and. Obviously, we'll see. Uh, I saw the Charlotte job came open today, and uh, a mm -hmm. couple of the South Carolina coaches are being mentioned for that job. So, um, good on the Gamecocks. And uh, we've been going for over an hour now, so I think we should probably call yeah, it. That's it. We're going to be finding out a lot over the next couple of weeks about not only SEC, but just the national picture. And then we get our first uh, college football rankings not uh, after this next weekend, right? Apparently, they've been doing a, a Tuesday night show going over like – like where each team should, I don't fucking know. I can't even wrap my head around it right now. Okay. All right. And they've been doing well, like Kirk brought up last night. He was like, if you guys, are, if you love the semantics, we do that show every Tuesday. And it was like, I don't, okay. Probably not. <laughs> uh, all right, man. Well, Hey, look, there was another great one. I, I appreciate you coming up and yeah, doing the, the Texas Pete gambling cave um we'll have to find a bigger game to to live stream next time for sure so or maybe we'll make no. it to a game one day yeah i like that too all right well hey everybody we appreciate you tuning in tonight and uh to tune into the podcast 
Give us five stars on Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify. Go to uh, um, YouTube, Saturday Down South, and, and give us a like and subscribe to get notifications when we go live. And we appreciate you tuning in. We'll see you next week.